And so another great thing about kind of working in client success is you're learning all the time, not only who are your customers as a brand, but also what do you see in terms of patterns and trends and nuances that mean that as a brand, you've got to service these, these customer bases in slightly nuanced ways too. On today's Tech Talks, we're talking to Charlie Rogers. She's the Vice President, International Client Services for Yext. And we're discussing how we help businesses navigate themselves. There's so much data in so many different silos now. Understanding how you get around your own business can be a real challenge. This is Tech Talks, the twice-weekly technology podcast for anyone, whether you're a leader in the industry or someone who's just enthusiastic and interested and wants to find out more. My name's David Savage. I hope you enjoy the show. On the podcast today, we're joined by regular co-host, Sean Bradley, who's currently at home dying of a cold. (laughs) So I feel doubly honoured that you've taken the time to dial in. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. I just have got to try and hold back a coughing fit for half an hour, see if I can manage it. Um, Yeah, it's been quite funny because I've been uh, being a videographer this week and um, I've had to... When I get, you know, you get that tickle feeling in your throat, and they're still recording, and I'm like, you can't, you've got to wait, you've got to wait. Your eyes are streaming because you're holding it in. Yeah, it's been, it's been rough. <laughs> have you, have you got a crispy throat? It's still crispy. I don't know what is wrong with it, to be honest. Uh, but yeah. yeah. To be fair, the fact that you called, you, you said crispy throat a few weeks ago, is one of my favourite new phrases. I'm glad, I'm glad it's going put, being put to use. <laughs> Oh, well, look, I'm sorry that you're feeling rubbish. Um, probably a good thing that we're not sat in the same room. Um, interestingly enough, I suppose, then, that you might want to go online and Google such questions such as what's going to help me uh, with my feeling rubbish and, and get mm. some accurate answers that you can trust, I suppose. Nice segue. I like it. <laughs> I mean, how much yeah, do you no, trust Google when you type in? What? There's so much, and so much of it is not really like held accountable or it's like all the kind of same stuff and you don't know what kind of sites to trust and what not to trust um so especially when i'm kind of looking for answers about health or something it'll take if i if i want to feel like i'm actually finding like yeah authentic answers i think i'd have to look at quite a few different sites and just get like the general gist (laughs) um Like, listening to this was was so interesting because we've gotten so used to that just being the norm that we accept. But it's it's a very strange thing to have, uh, knowing that Obviously not what you're the case searching. Necessarily. Like, Should, yeah, shouldn't well, take yeah. it at face value. Well, look, we'll yeah. get into the interview. Uh, it is Charlie Rogers who runs the client success team across EMEA for Yext. Uh, regular listeners to the show will remember that we had Wendy, the EMEA CEO, on the show not too long ago. So a slightly different angle here from a company that's been on the show before. But we'll dive into the interview and then myself and a crispy-throated Sean will <laughs> discuss afterwards uh, before a quick bit of tech news. On today's podcast, we are joined by Charlie. You work for Yext. Correct. We had Yex on the show about, probably about three, four months ago now when we interviewed Wendy. Yeah. But there will be people listening who probably haven't listened to that. So just for the sake of context, who are Yex? What do you do? In a nutshell, Yex is, is indeed a company that not many people who haven't worked with Yex know about. Mm. But what we're trying to do is solve a very real and tangible problem that affects both consumers, mm-hmm. which is all of us, 
Um, and of course, more importantly, as a, as a going concern as a business, it affects lots of big brands out there. Yeah. And that is about making sure that when you're looking for something online, you want the right information at the right time and you want it to be accurate. And what we talk about is the fact that when you think about search, what really matters there is answers. Yeah. It's, and it's not just answers in isolation, it's brand verified answers. When we're looking for facts about brands and we're thinking about who should be the authority on those facts about the brands, well, of course, it's the brands themselves and the businesses we work, work with. What they're trying to make sure of is that they are seen as the authority on those facts. So if I'm out there looking for, I don't know, a great restaurant to eat in, as I often am with my family at the weekend, and sometimes that's at a last minute moment, I'm gonna, my first port of call is looking on my mobile and saying, right, where's good to eat near me? Mm-hmm. And when I'm looking for that, I'm not only looking for what is the restaurant, what kind of food it is, but also importantly, is it open now? Um, is it family friendly in my case? And now when you search on Google Maps or you're searching um, using Google Assistant or Siri, those kinds of facts are the things that are surfaced in response to those searches. These are the answers we get back. And what Yext is doing is helping to make sure that um, we're giving those brands the opportunity to get the accurate information out there. I imagine that most people would just assume that Google do that themselves. They would indeed, but you know, one of the best things about Google and in any of these search services is mm. there's no shortage of data out there and yep. Google has built quite a solid business on indexing all of that information and servicing what it deems to be relevant in response to the queries people are pumping through their services. Mm-hmm. Now, relevance is and can be quite subjective and what we're here to do as Yext is make sure that we are bringing the verified objective answers that are absolutely those which are that map to the brands we work with mm. to the surface and that those are the first ones that a consumer is going to get so you know what i want to know is when i rock up to that restaurant is it open as it said on maps yeah and if it isn't well that's a really frustrating consumer experience for me and it would probably deter me from going back to that same restaurant and this is something that keeps our, our, our customers awake at night. They want to know that they're not losing people before they even get a chance to engage with them. Yeah, and, and you know, to be fair, when I think about it, uh, we'll often look at a restaurant and it might say that it's open between X, Y, and Z times on Google, but you still kind of have that nagging doubt and want to ring a restaurant to make sure. 100%. And you want to be able to, you know, if, if these journeys, these consumer customer journeys all start with this kind of question, a search, whether that's a voice search or a question put into a map or into a search engine we just expect so much more Mm. these days as consumers we don't want the blue links anymore we don't want to have to go and trawl through to find the most accurate response ourselves yeah what we expect is immediacy and we expect those facts that we're presented with to be that just that fact now you've been here for 18 months yeah correct in what capacity i run our client success um, teams across EMEA so I am privileged to have teams based in London, Paris, Berlin, Milan, and there will be many more places as well. Um, and it's been a pretty exciting time, actually, for me over the last 18 months. Do you get to, to, to spend some time in some of those places? I do. I'm <laughs> travelling most weeks. Tomorrow I'm off to Berlin. Uh, week after I'll be in Cologne at the Mexico. Uh, and then I'll be heading off to Paris the week after that. So yeah. there's usually a European city that features in my weekly agenda. And that's something I really enjoy about my role. It's great fun. It's great to meet our clients in those markets. Now, the amount of content that's getting created and put online is obviously ever increasing, which I suppose suggests that Yex would equally 
be ever increasing in the amount of work it's got on its plate mm -hmm. if more and more stuff's going online. Absolutely. Uh, so I know you've just gone through a big rebrand. The company is growing. What's it like building a team, especially when you've got those various different sites as well to contend with, mm. um, which is, I suppose, reasonably new. I, I would imagine when you're talking to most people and trying to bring them into the business, you're having to go through the whole explanation of who you are and the job that you do each time. Oh, absolutely. And, and one of the reasons I joined YX was for this exact reason. Um, I joined because I knew the trajectory the business was on and I knew that a big part of this role would be to find the right people to keep that trajectory going in the right direction, to keep our clients on that journey with us and to make mm. sure that we are absolutely matching the right people at EX with our technology to best service our clients. So I joined because of that, really. Mm -hmm. It's that combination of tech plus people that's kind of a common theme in my career. But it's challenging, right? The business is growing really, really quickly. And I didn't know what Yext was when I was first approached by our recruiters. I was like, Yext is what now? But I did see that um, one of my former colleagues was at Yext, and so you kind of work your network a little bit and ask those questions. And what I heard back was so resoundingly positive, and then that was cemented through my interview process. And so it's the great position to be in is that we have a great story to tell any candidate that we're hiring. Mm -hmm. We're hiring for all the right reasons. We've got more and more clients to serve. We've evolved our, our value proposition. We've rebranded. We're opening up so many more opportunities and we're ex continuing to expand every location that we have, all of our offices and more now. So client success, you're, you're working with customers in each yeah. of those countries. I suppose you must get some interesting insight in how different groups of populational demographics use the, the internet. Yeah. Maybe naively you kind of assume, right, everyone probably uses it in the same way, right? But yeah, that uh, is probably the wrong assumption. 100%. Although, it's funny, one of the reasons I like having a European role, and a reason I've never really gone to work in the US, for example, not that I don't love the US, but I like the richness and diversity that exists in a European mm -hmm. uh, marketplace. And yeah, we do have clients in each of the markets where we operate, but those clients themselves are operating in many more markets than that. And so another great thing about kind of working in client success is you're learning all the time, not only who are your customers as a brand, but also what do you see in terms of patterns and trends and nuances that mean that as a brand, you've got to service these, these customer bases in slightly nuanced ways too. Um, and for us, when we think about, you know, how do we best match our clients' needs in each of these markets, it absolutely starts with having an innate understanding as a company, a truly international company, that these different populations represent different behaviours, different buying behaviours. Do, do the clients themselves always understand their needs? I could imagine a scenario where you've got a, 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 a business that's scaling quickly, that's maybe technology driven, and they're based in one country and they've got customers all over the place. Mm -hmm. And maybe they assume that they know their customer base say they're UK based and they've got uh, a population of customers in Italy and maybe they actually don't understand those people at all. Yeah, it's, it's, a, really, it's a really common challenge slash opportunity because I'm a relentless optimist. Um, <laughs> and, you know, for every international company, whether that's Yext or our clients, essentially what we're all trying to understand is how do we help, in our case, how do we help our customers maximise the value of the investment they make with us by understanding their business as far as is possible. But client success, the discipline of that, extends beyond just asking the client, what do you need and where are you today? 
it's about truly kind of crossing the line almost and immersing yourself in that business so that you can start to work with them to uncover challenges they might not have known existed or to help them problem solve for things that they do know are a challenge. So we work with tons of international clients um, and they are absolutely all trying to solve this interesting conundrum, which is what do we need to do differently in the markets we serve? Um, But how do we do that whilst maintaining the integrity of our brand? Um, There's got to be some kind of level of constant and consistency there. So it's so interesting. What what are the common problems that businesses face when representing their brand online? Because if it's it's dealing with facts, surely there's not a huge amount of leeway with the kind of information you're putting out there, right? True. And you're going, I I think where we could go on this is a really big conversation about data. Mm. And, and, you know, I'm a nerd, so I'd be so happy to talk to you about that (laughs) all day long. Might take Um, a slightly longer episode. Could, and we may lose some listeners. But what I would say is, in the case of 99.9% of clients that I've worked with over the last 12 years or so, a common theme is we know we need to do more and we know that data and our control of our own data and access to our own data in many cases is at the, the real heart of all of this. Let's not forget that even though some of these brands are the biggest brands in the world, They've all evolved from a place where they've got different systems sitting across different teams, data sitting in different pots. Sometimes they know where that is. Sometimes they don't even know Mm. that exists. And that's the same for any company, I think. Again, some of the ways that we can help our clients is, as I said, kind of crossing that line and helping them to start navigating their business maybe in a different way. Mm. Asking them questions they haven't been asked before or challenging clients to think differently about the power of the data they sit on. Um, yes, a fact is a fact is a fact. But, you know, if you start to think about working with businesses, not just about the facts about their locations, maybe that's about name, address, telephone number, opening hours, products offered, but you go more to, hey, what about um, some of the products that are available in those specific locations? Or what about um, the jobs that your, your business is currently advertising? Suddenly you find out, well, hang on, my marketing team isn't looking after the jobs data, but that is absolutely some mm. super information for us to push out um, because a lot of our audience might be interested in working with us or for us in the future. So how do we then help them to get to where that data sits and make that available? Now, just thinking about the fact that you do have this growing team, mm. um, obviously you kind of, you're bringing in people on aptitude and their and their experience but what do you find actually that you have to spend time working with them on when they're when they're through the door and they're yeah. working here yeah so i think it all starts before you get them through the door by the way because um one thing that we don't do at yext is look we don't really have um a hard-coded formula for what makes you know the perfect hire we have behaviors that we look for mm-hmm. and they are very much assi- like aligned to our values around think big, get stuff done, all of these kind of, I guess, things that tap into what's a human's potential. But my team, for example, comes from a real wealth of backgrounds. So I've got some people with a search background, some people who've come from um, other different types of technology companies. We've got ex-consultants in my team. Mm. We've got people who have worked in the social space. And we do it deliberately. I don't, I don't want a load of clones. My clients are not all clones. We want to make sure that we are matching, yes, technology to those brands, but it's the people who we can match to the people on our client side who are going to create the chemistry that means that it all comes to life. So 
The challenge we have then is you're hiring all these diverse people and what they have in common is they're smart, they're acquisitive in their knowledge, they're collaborative. They have to be really accountable because they're responsible for our client's success. But they'll all have different levels of understanding. And mm-hmm. certainly when it comes to the X platform, loads of them won't know what that's all about. You know, We've got a couple of people in the team that have worked with the X in the past. So there's a kind of a product learning stuff, which is kind of functional knowledge. And then there's also the kind of expectations we have about how do you best build these relationships for the long term versus seeing it as transactional interactions. Um, so we do a number of different things. Um, first thing is everyone that joins Yext gets to spend two weeks in New York. Right. Which is, especially if you're in Europe, that's, that's a pretty big draw because um, everybody likes to spend time in New York. And that's really about getting immersed in what Yext is all about, what's our value proposition, understand where we came from and where we're going to. Um, and that's critical because we have to be super credible to our clients. Mm-hmm. If we don't believe it, really hard for other people to be it's that credibility piece that's key to the relationship it comes down to integrity and being when you're on the front line with clients you have to be passionate about what you're doing Mm -hmm. and so really from day one we're trying to invigorate people to feel like I, i feel part of this and i know how i can make a difference i know what's expected of me And also, I know where I can go with this in my career. Mm. And that career longevity piece or some sense of a path, I think is critical no matter who you are in an organisation. One quick last question. Mm. You've just moved into a new office in Oxford Street. We have. Increasingly, technology organisations are saying, we don't all have to be in an office and we can have remote teams. I know that's certainly there's a lot of different ideas, but... Why did you guys think, you know what, we want to be in Oxford Street, we want this to be somewhere that people come to work? Yeah, well, let's go back to what we're all here for, and that's experiences. Um, There's a few different things. Having a great office like this helps us to absolutely attract talent. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I mean, I work from home every now and then. I, I believe in being able to help people to do that as well. It's not about hours spent in your seat at your desk. No. But it is about feeling part of something. And it is about being able to bring your clients to an office where they can see and feel what Yext is about from, Mm. yes, our product and innovation perspective, but also about our culture. Who are we as a brand? What do we want to be known for in terms of the experiences we deliver? How do we welcome people in? And how do we make ourselves available? So I think having this kind of office is game-changing. Our clients coming in, and seeing the office have been really excited for us. Um, we're trying to make sure it's as busy as possible all of the time. So yeah. you'll rarely hear anyone at Yet say, oh no, I don't think we'll do a meeting at our office. I'm sorry, can we come to you? If a client's desperate to come over, we want to open the doors and let everybody in. Yeah, We hold, We're holding events. Uh, we do a lot of socials here as well um, with clients too. Um, and that's certainly, I think, the vein that we'll continue in. But don't for one second misinterpret that as being... No, absolutely not. You know, in terms of how we work, do we have to be in the office all the time? No, we're out on the road, we're with clients. Mm. People have lives and life is bigger actually than software. I'll probably get fired for saying that. But no, <laughs> joking aside, life is definitely bigger than software and part of in, of welcoming an employee in and, and keeping people really happy at Yext is showing that we understand that and we can accommodate that. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. And uh, fingers crossed you do manage to fill it and make it a nice, buzzy place. I'm sure you will. I'm sure we will. And thank you very much indeed for your time. Cheers. When you go online, do you, do you just automatically trust that what's on there is correct? 
I think it depends what I'm looking for. Um, like the answer, like the example that Charlie was talking about when you're looking for restaurants and things new. Like I think, yeah, I would just assume that what I'm seeing uh, about each restaurant is fact. Um, you know, the opening times are correct, numbers correct, the emails correct, but. Um, I also know that there has been a lot of times when that number doesn't work, the website doesn't work, um, or yeah, the times aren't right. Like if I'm going to a place, for instance, I know that before I've kind of put that into Google Maps and it's telling me it's about to close and I know it's not. Um, and also I am a bit skeptical of whenever I'm looking for things near me, so whether it's a certain type of shop near me or a um, mm. yeah, a place to eat, a cafe, whatever, because sometimes it's good and then sometimes it's things that are like miles away. Yeah, like what is this filtering through? Is it just that they are like kind of bigger or have more online presence? Um, you know, because I don't feel like it's really showing me actually what's around me. Certainly with... Um restaurants and the like there's so much subjective opinion out there when you think of things like TripAdvisor that it must be absolutely crucial to make sure for these brands for smaller businesses that they get the right messaging out that they can control uh, where, where possible and it was really interesting when Charlie talks about you know you don't want to lose customers before you even have a chance to engage with them and I was kind of initially thinking all oh, right so if a restaurant says it's open when it's not and then a customer gets annoyed, they're not going to go back to that restaurant. But equally, I suppose there's that flip side. What if online says that you're not open when actually you are? And if that's not correct, you're missing out on a whole bunch of customers who who will just quickly move on to the next thing. Yeah, definitely. Because it, it's, especially when you are um, just looking for quick answers, um, you kind of know vaguely you know the type of food or the di or the area that you want to go to the time whatever um but you don't want to be spending ages and ages um looking up reviews and things like that i think what what other brands do you think this is is relevant to like what other kind of fact because my thinking was a lot of what brands uh are doing online is obviously selling themselves so it's how do you differentiate between what's kind of a sales pitch like not that it's not fact but what is the fancy kind of marketing um you know the design or the language they use and all of that what's the difference between that and then the kind of the facts that we need to hear if you get what i'm saying because obviously there is an element of having to write and present things in a certain way to to get people to notice what you're selling or what you're doing yeah, well, I thought it was interesting the way that she talks about, you know, even the biggest brands have evolved um, from, with, you know, with different data and different locations. And a lot of what Yext are doing is helping clients to navigate their business because there is there is always going to be an element of subjective information online um, that I suppose is not based in fact. But um, unlocking those different data sets and, and helping amalgamate them in a way that, that helps that business make sense of their own customer base is where an organization that can fact verify and, and and so on is going to come into their own really yeah so is this and, and that's where she kind of gets on to later in the interview where it's coming at it from the working with the brand's kind of side rather than than the consumer side and, and i've noticed yeah, exactly. this is this is definitely with um the kind of the popularity and and the um, and the um frequency of, of startups and and their growth and I find it really interesting because I guess like at what point do you think as a business you then want to start 
considering outsourcing uh, these kind of decisions and like when you want to really hand over like, you know like the innards of your company and say what should we do but if you're missing out on customers yeah you've kind of got to trust someone to help you and I suppose that's why Yext's uh, own credibility is so important it's why credibility is, 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 is super super important in the market today because you can't work in a silo you have to trust others and it has to be trusted relationships yeah. with various different external partners yeah yeah um, what about this point of, you know, that they've got an office in central London? I, I really quite liked this. I've got a bit of a problem, I'll be honest, with the increasing shift towards completely remote working and offices, you know, virtual teams. I get why it's important. I get that it works and absolutely people should have the opportunity to work from home. But I subscribe to this idea that people come to work for experiences. Yeah, I definitely, that resonated with me as well um, as someone that's been, you know, freelance for a year or something like that, but has also worked in the office. There's definitely such a benefit to... Um, as she said, like feeling part of something. And I think kind of the future or the future of work that I would like to see would be having that face-to-face relationship with people, having that, you know, that kind of office yeah. life, that that place that you go to that's familiar, those people that you, you know, same people that you kind of sit around, that that lunchtime um, routine. Like I think having a bit of that is, is really important. Um, because there's yeah. there's things that will ha- happen on the day to day with your colleagues that you know just like little conversations or things you might overhear that that wouldn't happen if you're always remote working so you miss out on that. Um, but I think it's having that yeah, but without yeah. the rigid rigid with a rigid nine to five every day mentality. Yeah, exactly. I, I get that e-commuting is a term that exists because there is a need for remote working and therefore you need to be able to interact with people and you know sharing a beer over video conference and doing stuff a little bit differently to traditional working modes i i I get why it's there and i get that for some people it's the preference but even then they talk about you know we get together once a month and whatever else but if you if you get together once a month and it's maybe the first time you're meeting someone you only see someone once a month it's very difficult to be properly social and i like that yext have socials i like that that is still an important part uh, of their business because it's kind of in our it's 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 in our makeup to be that way inclined and it's a shame if increasingly working environments gloss over that it's it's also makes business sense because if if everyone's in the loop with you know the aims what you're working on what's happening like what everyone's doing that's such a better way to conduct things rather than you know miscommunication of things could really can really set projects um or goals back because just people haven't really spoken or they haven't really been around each other um, to to mm. brainstorm things. And, and also it, it's really important for diversity as well to have all these different voices, you know, in the same room occasionally to bounce things off each other so you're yeah. not just becoming kind of insular um, within what, what the company. Health? It's all very well saying, saying, you know, that we work in a remote on a remote basis, but if you need to talk to someone and you need to open up, you need to have a personal relationship that's, built on something for people to sometimes do that definitely that's a big part of um the the kind of the obstacle and the, and the struggles that come with with being like a, a freelance or or a, a new founder is you know you are sometimes so isolated and lonely and it's hard to tap into a community when kind of everyone is just working from home i just think it's like whatever we're gonna however we're gonna tackle it, it's important that companies definitely have that in mind and it's not just a case of um giving it as like a 
you know, it's it's not just where they're working. There's so much more to it than that. It's not just a simple case of, of, um, of, of yeah, whether they're in the office or they're not. It's going to affect so many things. Right. I, th- I think with that point, we will say thank you to Charlie for being our guest this week. We're going to have a quick break and we will come back with some technology news. Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Um, right, the news article this week, Sean, um, is taken from TechCrunch. It's written by Kate Clark at Kate Clark Tweets. Um, Ken Show, the antithesis of Goop, launches a research-based guide to natural medicine. Sean, uh, I don't know if you know a huge amount about Goop, but it's the um, kind of homeopathy style, uh, this is how to live your life better stuff by Gwyneth Paltrow that's attracted a lot of criticism recently. Um, So Goop is cashing in on pseudoscience and in the process giving natural health practices a bad name. So this is all about uh, Kensho Health uh, and Krista Berlin-Court, the co-founder and chief exec, who basically is trying to take that narrative back yeah so what what are they trying to do differently then what's like their selling point with it i guess uh we're creating a less what we're creating is less of a consumer magazine we're a holistic health platform that approaches things um more of a holistic health medical journal which is backed up by science so kent show is launching into private beta today it's an invite only subscription based platform for holistic healthcare uh providers to list their services and share knowledge and i I picked on this because i think it's interesting increasingly it's it's getting more and more difficult for health services to uh, serve the needs of people. Um, I know countless examples of urgent medical um, appointments that are taking nine months for people to arrange, and the, the NHS is at breaking point. We know that. Increasingly, people are looking to alternative medicine as maybe a, a, a fix because they're not getting the answers to their healthcare that they're looking for. I think it's interesting and I think it's really important that there are alternatives out there, but at the same time, I'm slightly worried that you get someone like Paltrow coming along with Goop taking advantage of the fact that people are looking for answers. Yeah, it's it's definitely a balance, isn't it? Because it's like, I think people are, are becoming a bit wary of kind of, um, just the standardised health information that you that you get. Um, so it's 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 definitely becoming more popular. I think before it was more of just like seen as like a hippie, uh, like hippie weirdo side thing. You know, get your get your uh, your essential oils and your your weird teas and everything. It didn't. It was just like old wives' tales. Uh, and I think that the more research that that's going into kind of health as a whole and this this word holistic. Um, it's showing that there is a lot more to it than than just basic science can, or the science that we now use can kind of deal with, and that it is important to look at you know things like CBD and other you know, kind of natural things and and whether they do have mm-hmm. the answers. Because I think it's important that we merge 
as this is is trying to do like we merge the two because i feel like there's too much of a split between um kind of your standardized medicine and your alternative medicine which makes it um just makes like either it kind of has to be an either or situation where i don't think it has to be like that i don't think you have to ignore one to entertain the idea of the other um well why i think why i think is fascinating is the article points out that whilst many people are skeptical it ends with this with this um rare this 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 interesting fact so skeptical about the nature of of care practices that are untested um or dependent on unscientific principles but one in three people have paid for supplemental care out of their own pocket from a holistic healthcare provider. So people are skeptical, but there's a huge market for it. Yeah, they're skeptical, but they're still curious, aren't they? And they're still, they're still a part of them that 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 wants to know and, and wants to see what's happening with it and what the, you know, what the lowdown is and things like that. Um, you know, I I know quite a lot of people that, um, I mean, this is with mental health or chronic pain. But they find that the kind of the, the general prescribed like SSRIs or chronic pain medicine medication it just doesn't suit them, uh, and they find that CBD based um, products and things that actually do a lot more for them. Uh, and obviously that's not going to be the case for everyone, and we don't know too much about CBD yet. And and there is a lot more to be found out, but it's just I think it's empowering people to to know what their other options are and and kind of figuring out what works for them rather than, you know if something isn't working it doesn't it doesn't mean they have to just do without uh, so yeah it's really exciting i think and on that note i think um i should probably let you go because you're probably looking for some, some, some supplemental health right now to uh, deal with your horrible throat and cough yeah i'm gonna probably in orange you know see see how yeah. that goes get some vitamin c <laughs> i think that's a fairly well regarded way of getting better a bit of vitamin c yeah um but look thank you for for taking some time to have a chat today sean uh, thank you to charlie for being our guest thank you to the listeners for tuning in and we will be back next week bye bye